The World Briefly By Jam Welcome to The World Briefly This is Jam's new podcast in which we talk about the events of the country and the world with experts of the University of Dundee. I'm Andre, your host for today, and this week we're talking about the grim economic challenges that the United Kingdom is currently facing. And we are also talking about the rise of the far right to power in Italy. So stick around for that. We begin with the British economic scenario. Last week, Quasi Quarting, Liz Truss's Chancellor of the Exchequer, announced the mini-budget, which is a series of measures to cut taxes and grow the economy. That announcement has been followed by a series of extraordinary events, um, which is still unraveling. And we have in the studio today with us Dr. Daniel Barbley, lecturer of economics within the university, to figure out what's happening. Hello, Dr. Barbley. Uh, hi, uh, thanks for having me. Thank you. Could you summarize last week's mini-budget announcement? What were the main takeaways? Essentially, the, um, the main thing that's uh, contained in this mini-budget, um, and I should also point out that it's called a mini-budget because the, the government is, is basically saying that this is like an unofficial sort of budget um, announcement um, and, and that they will kind of follow up with the, with the additional like, proper details um, in a few months. But the main thing that it it entails is this large, basically large package of of different uh, tax cuts, or if not even necessarily tax cuts, but basically cancelling future tax rises that would have taken place um, in in the next year or two. This is uh, like the main component of this is a change in, in income taxes, basically for those on higher incomes that they are going to scrap this 45% additional rate. Um, so this is for people on incomes above 150K. They're also going to, basically, they are going to have a cut in the basic rate of income tax as well from 22 to 19%. They are going to cancel the rise in national insurance that was supposed to take place. And they are also going to cancel the increase in corporation tax that was supposed to take place. And there's also going to be some additional stuff on property taxes or property transaction taxes. So they're going to change thresholds for, for property transaction taxes. So basically, people are going to pay less when they, uh, they purchase um, uh, a property. And this, so this is basically the, the group of, or like the package of these different tax cuts. Mm-hmm. I should also stress that this is for, so this was announced by the UK government, but in mm-hmm. Scotland, um, there's basically the Scottish government has discretion over changes in income tax. So essentially, um, most of these changes are not going to take place in Scotland, most likely. Um, again, the, the country has a different income tax uh, schedule anyways. Um, so this is mostly going to concern uh, England, uh, Northern Ireland and, and Wales. And then finally, like these, there were some other things in, in, in the mini budget as well. So you had basically the, the chancellor has alluded to changing the way in which uh, certain large infrastructure projects are regulated in order to kind of make them easier to to start or to to try to to make happen and also there was this additional introduction of the this idea of these investment zones which is basically going to be this regionally focused uh, kind of tax breaks for for certain 
businesses um, operating in certain areas. And then finally, um, there was also like uh, this very specific policy of cancelling the the bonus cap for for bankers to incentivize um, supposedly the you know better sort of financial performance or you know more financial investment in like say the city of of London or, or more people moving here mm-hmm. for that purpose and these sort of things. Um, okay, so like basically just to summarize, it's just a big package of of tax cuts. The idea or, or the government's justification for this is that this is going to stimulate um, economic growth. What does the midi budget entail for companies, regular people, and then also the finances of the government? Yeah, so I mean, this is, so I'm just going to basically take or try to consider each of these separately, even though like a lot of the effects are most mm. likely going to be dynamically evolving and also very interconnected, as usually the case. For companies, on one hand, you know, one could think that the cancelling the, the, the increase in corporation tax is going to perhaps help companies, especially large uh, large corporations. There's also the fact that maybe since these announcements have effectively led to the the pound or the, the pound exchange rate versus the US dollar crashing, you could think that maybe export-heavy uh, businesses are going to benefit from the pound struggling. At the same time, businesses that are that are more reliant on imports are definitely not going to to benefit from this. And also, I think there's just this very general point, and this is something, if we read basically what uh, what business leaders have been saying for the last few days, is that businesses really hate uncertainty, and there's quite a lot mm. of it mm. that this package has introduced. It, it seems to be the case that, that markets did not respond well to these announcements. It seems like there's expectations of, of um, certain things not going so well, for instance, expectations of higher inflation as a consequence of this. Mm. None of these are things that that business leaders are going to be very happy about, again, mm. because they have much more uncertainty about these these kind of key macroeconomic variables that they, and, and even key key uh, variables that are important for their own kind of decisions on, on, on costs and, and things like that. Um, for regular people, I mean, there's there's quite a few things to, to mention here. You could think that people that are actually in the working force and paying income tax are going to be able to maybe accumulate some savings from these changes just by virtue mm. of having to pay less income tax. But this is very likely going to be cancelled out if there's going to be negative effects mm. on, on inflation, for example. So mm. if, I'm, I'm sorry, by negative effects, I mean that inflation is, is, is going to go up and therefore people are going to have uh, basically lower real incomes. There's also this possibility that since in this budget it was not mentioned like how the government was going to pay for this, it's entirely possible that you know a few years down the line this is going to be paid for by increases in taxes or cuts to spending. Uh, so it's also entirely possible that future generations are going to pay for this. And the other thing, I mean, that's very important is is we've seen the kind of response of bond markets, and there's also going to be most likely this response from the Bank of England. There's already been. Mm-hmm. Um, some actions that they needed to take as like if these lead to to higher interest rates for example this is going to have an effect on on a lot of people who are who are on variable rate mortgages especially mm-hmm. if for those people whose variable rates are are kicking in within the next few months or so basically their mortgages are going to be quite difficult to to pay and again housing market effects can be can be quite negative as well Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then finally, for regular people, I mean, there's also this aspect of this budget or mini budget 
that it actually benefits uh, those on on higher incomes, uh, particularly those on incomes above 150k per year. And so there's this inequality aspect of this too that um, that this might lead to an increase in inequality, which is you know not mm-hmm. like usually most uh, economists would think is not necessarily very good for growth. And then finally the the government finance aspect, which is probably the most the most problematic in many ways, because whilst there's this again this large fiscal stimulus package was announced, um, there was no there was no detail provided on how the uh, the government was planning to pay for this. So it's very likely that this is going to be financed through through borrowing. But the problem with that is that this is currently very expensive and it's only going to get more expensive as interest rates are rising. And this could basically put the government's debt on a, a, a sort of unsustainable path, which is, of course, further going to create less confidence in, in markets and less confidence in the government being able to, to, to repay debts in the future. And so I, I think a lot of the kind of changes and consumer and market confidence in the, the British economy has to do with, uh, with the fact that, again, it's really unclear how it's going to be possible to pay for, for this sort of package of tax cuts. Speaking of borrowing, the International Monetary Fund um, sort of implied that the government shouldn't go for, shouldn't go for, forward with mini budgets. How likely is this to affect the decision of the government to take these actions? Um, yeah, I mean, I I have no idea what the what is actually going to affect the government's um, mm-hmm. thinking on this or, or or decisions. But in general, this is. Well, the IMF coming in on this or the IMF commenting on this in quite harsh terms is quite embarrassing for mm-hmm. for the UK government. It's very rare to see uh, this happen in a, in a rich country. There's th- this is the sort of language that the IMF tends to tends to use in situations when when they are they are bailing out um, a country with very kind of shaky public finances are very serious mm-hmm. kind of underlying issues and 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 it's it's really a unique thing to experience them them asking the UK government to reconsider their own economic policy they don't like the IMF doesn't have any actual kind of power or yeah. mm-hmm. in this situation their basically their opinion is going to have some effect on markets which is going to be hard for the UK government to to mitigate unless they yeah unless they consider some of these these suggestions, but it's impossible to, to say whether they are going to or not. Speaking of another financial institution, the Bank of England announced uh, a few days ago that they will intervene to stabilize the economy. Um, can you briefly summarize what the intervention is going to be and what consequences it might have? Yeah, so this is again a very, very uh, complex situation with the Bank <laughs> of England. And, and again, very rarely seen in, in rich countries that the, the central bank comes in to stabilize markets in response to the government's own uh, policy. But basically, just to, to kind of put these things into perspective, one of the kind of main, or if not the main duties of the central bank is to try to, to control inflation um, mm-hmm. in an economy. And so there's been quite a lot of inflation recently, and they've been, they've been trying to contain that through this uh, so-called like this monetary contraction, where they try to basically reduce aggregate demand in the economy and, and, and trying to, to, to sort of remove a lot of debt from their, from their balance sheet uh, in order to raise interest rates. And again, in, in, in some ways, try to put the brakes on, on, mm-hmm. on the economy to some extent to, to try to temper inflation. Uh, so this is what, the, what the, the Bank of England has been trying to do. And what the government has done is this fiscal stimulus, which is 
where the main point is 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 basically to try to induce demand and essentially it's very much a situation where the bank of england is is on the brakes and the government has just just kind of stepped on the accelerator and and that's kind of easy to see through that comparison how how that that creates a difficult situation and so in this case what now the bank of england has to do like it basically has to do two things at the same time it has to continue to to try to reduce like to to control inflation and Hmm. and engage in this monetary contraction but at the same time they also have to respond to the to the negative effects of of the the government's announcement and so what they've done um this is what they've kind of announced yesterday is first the, the kind of purchase of these really long-term uk uh government bonds in order or treasury bonds in order to try to um to sort of reassure the the bond market and try to make sure that the the yields on on these bonds are not going up too high so essentially they are not too risky mm-hmm. in in the eyes of investors and they also seem like they they've announced a basically another round of quantitative easing mm-hmm. which is this which is basically issuing new bonds in order to to increase the money supply and again this is usually a way to try to make sure that the bond market you know that the rates are going to be Mm-hmm. Uh, kept at a reasonable level, but it's very strange and and uh, really difficult to wrap your head around how the Bank of England is going to be able to do basically monetary contraction mm-hmm. and monetary expansion at the same time. So again, the <laughs> the only way to describe this is that this is a, a really messy situation, and mm-hmm. and again, there seems to be sort of competing mm-hmm. ways that the Bank of England is 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 handling this when it when when you look at how the government policy is is attempting to handle this and just to finish off you mentioned there that the pound the value of the pound has been oscillating a lot in the last couple mm. of weeks and also the, the the rising inflation which might which might come from these measures uh, what else can we expect economy wise in the coming months well i mean this is very difficult to to foresee and to also to forecast because first it's very unclear how the government is going to respond to to the the market turmoil that their announcement has created and it's also very difficult to see precisely if these policies were to materialize how mm-hmm. they are actually going to going to be implemented so and very specifically how exactly they are planning to pay for this and mm-hmm. usually the government when they announce stuff like this they there's an accompanying forecast from from the office for budget responsibility mm-hmm. and they have they didn't have this this time uh, mm-hmm. so essentially there are no there we really don't have any ideas even you know for different scenarios on you know how is this how is this going to be financed how is mm-hmm. the growth going to be affected uh, things like that one thing on on the the foreign exchange market is that it's very likely that there's always going to be a lot of fluctuations most likely the pound is going to recover to some extent basically all currencies currently are are uh, depreciating when mm-hmm. when measured against the US dollar so this has to do with the uh, the monetary policy that the federal reserve is conducting in the US um, which is essentially making because of higher rates on 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 US uh, government bonds um, the dollar is suddenly becoming very attractive 
or has mm -hmm. been becoming very attractive for the past few months. So essentially, all currencies are, are like n no currency is doing well against the US dollar at the moment, no major currency. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is con going to probably still be the case for the next uh, a few months. Mm -hmm. uh, but for the rest, again, it, it just depends on how the government responds and whether they, they compromise on some of these these policies. And 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 yeah, and also depends on the precise uh, policies that they are planning. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Barbley, for coming on and trying to explain this very messy situation. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Since Dr. Barbley and I recorded the segment, Liz Truss has met with the Office for Budget Responsibility, which Dr. Barbley mentioned, in yet another unprecedented move because very rarely does the president meet directly with the Office for Budget Responsibility. So there is plenty still happening in this situation of the current economic crisis in the United Kingdom. Another hugely important event of the past week was the results of the Italian parliamentary elections. Earlier, we met up with an Italian politics student and also with a politics lectures, a politics lecture, both of the university, to talk about the election results. There was an election in Italy for Parliament and there was an, a sort of surprising victory in my eyes, someone who is from Portugal and lives in the UK, and the sort of far-right movement of the uh, Fratelli d'Italia won the elections and um, their leader is going to be supposedly the next Prime Minister. For me, this is surprising, but I guess uh, in the Italian point of view, it might not be. And so we have a couple of people today here um, to talk with us about it. So we have Dr. Dian Stepanovic, and could you just say hi? Uh, hello. <laughs> and we have Vidad Abu Afife. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've mispronounced yeah, that's okay. that. <laughs> no, that's fine, that's fine. Uh, and we're going to be speaking about the Italian elections. Um, so the first... Uh, question is just a very simple one just to start. Uh, is this a move of Italian politics towards the far right? Uh, I'd say definitely yes. Uh, to the, the extent is now, um, you know, something we can have a debate around. But it depends also who you ask. If uh, one of the protagonists of, of the current uh, Italian political drama, Matteo Renzi, who was uh, at some point also a prime minister, and who comes from the left, uh, or at least nominal left, um, mm -hmm. says that, well, um, this is an exaggeration. Um, and there is no fear of fascism. Uh, Italy is not becoming fascist. It, it's not on the far right. And um, he even offered to cooperate with the um, uh, with Meloni on the constitutional changes uh, and this sort of thing. So, so I guess it would depend. But uh, from outside and speaking to people and and um, kind of considering the implications, and w we can maybe speak later about the mm. European broader European implications of that. Uh, and this is definitely a, a move towards at least the far right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I do agree. And I also would like to say that fascism in Italy has always been present. It's been treated more mm. as something that's like the underbelly of the country. Like it never was really um, faced how big of an issue it was. 
since mm -hmm. the end of the fascist regime, uh, fascist movements have always reorganized themselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, when Berlusconi rose to power in um, 1994, he allowed fascist people to enter the parliament for the first time. But I would say that the left-wing parties of our country did nothing that was nearly enough to uh, mobilize against these things. And so fascism was left to um, take over basically mm -hmm. our country and it was normalized. So um, I grew up in Italy as a mm -hmm. person from first generation. So my parents are, my mom is North African, my dad is Palestinian. So I also come mm -hmm. from a Muslim family. So um, I have always been aware that there have been uh, strong uh, dislikes towards minorities and especially civil rights have always been uh, very difficult to, um, you know, to protect in Italy mm -hmm. because uh, these type of ideas that are fascist ideas have always been normalized. And so I would say that, yeah, we're going towards um, a right wing turn, mm -hmm. but it's nothing that I would say is mm -hmm. new. Over the last sort of three or four years, there's been a lot of political instability mm -mm. in in Italy. Has this been one of the reasons why we've seen this this rise in the far right? Uh, has it sort of accumulated with the ever presence of fascism to then um, sort of produce this electoral result? Um, I wouldn't say so because our country has always been politically unstable. Mm -hmm. We know that our governments mm -hmm. never last a full four years, five, like never, because they're usually coalition governments and everybody just tries to keep their seat. <laughs> and so eventually there's going to be uh, some, you know, uh, internal disputes that bring the government down. I would say that what really started to seem as the turning point for us was when our Democratic parties started departing from the working class. Mm -hmm. When our left-wing party loses its contact with the most marginalized communities in your country, that's when these people become mm -hmm. potential electorate for the right-wing party. And yeah. Meloni was very smart with it because she understood it, and now mm -hmm. she speaks to the lower classes that were forgotten. Mm -hmm. We're talking about a democratic party that has become elitist to the point where there is a stereotype of the right-wing voter uh, as someone that is illiterate, that's poor, that lives mm -hmm. in the um, uh, most marginalized area of the city, and I think that this is a big, big issue that uh, the Democratic Party did nothing to change. And so it just let itself fall apart. Mm -hmm. So everybody knew that she was going to win. It's not shocking. And I would say that there is virtually no left that's left in mm -hmm. our parliament today. And so it's very sad for someone like me that comes from a left-wing, you know, uh, family. I grew up in a city that's where the Communist Party of Italy was uh, created, Livorno. And in my city, Fratelli d'Italia won, uh, which is like a big historical thing. Uh, but we also are coming. And so there's not really a lot of hope for us young people right now. Mm -hmm. I would say that the smartest thing would be organizing uh, in a parallel way outside of institutions because at this point there's nothing that they can give to us. That's mm -hmm. my point of view, yeah. honestly. Yeah. And there have been some protests already yeah, in the street, yeah. so especially when it comes to issues related to gender abortion, rights, abortion, yeah. etc., etc. Because m uh, my hunch is that this is precisely 
the area where they'll try to make more incursions rather than um, uh, kind of uh, falling out with uh, Europe because uh, I think whoever becomes the Prime Minister will understand that uh, they are largely dependent on the European Union, mm. uh, not least because of the economic situation and, and the resources and so on. Uh, so, so probably um, attack on, on human rights and civil liberties will be something that will um, mm. come first rather yeah. than, than some sort of international issues. Because also, to be reminded, many of these people are uh, Eurosceptic, but there are some who are not. You know, so mm. uh, there is Brett Moscone in, in, in the mix yeah, as well. Yeah, so. yeah. Mm -hmm. You mentioned a few minutes ago, Dr. Stepanovic, the European Union, and that's something I wanted to touch upon, mm -hmm. um, because you you did say that you don't think they're going to really go ahead with leaving the European Union. Yeah. Um, now, f you're someone who um, grew up in in Italy. Is there much of an Eurosceptic feeling within within Italy? Do you think the the voters will will hold Giorgia Meloni to to the standards that uh, they expect her to leave the European Union? Uh, yeah, so there is a lot of uh, Euroscepticism. Um, I also agree with the fact that I don't think we're going to leave the European Union, and she made it very clear. But when she talks about the European Union, she talks about uh, standing up to them mm -hmm. uh, because she says that our country should do its own interest, which is something that a lot of people in Italy agree with, especially because the um, very stereotypical discourse that they use is that, you know, the Germans made the euro uh, their own uh, monetary um Basically, a, a euro didn't change anything for them economically, whereas the lira was super, super weak and our economy collapsed because we decided to like bend down to them. Um, I don't think that there's gonna be uh, any departure from the European Union for sure because it, there's no way. Italy, it's too weak. It, it's mm -hmm. just too weak. But yeah, uh, he, he, her electorate will for sure um, hold their accountable to, mm -hmm. for that, for sure, yeah. Well, what may change uh, as a result of that in relation to the European Union is that um, uh, similar leaders of, of right-wing parties will have uh, a coalition partner. And if you look at the theories of uh, European integration, politics, uh, negotiations and all that, um, once you have uh, a strong member state in Italy, we need to be reminded it's, it's one of the founding mm. members of, of the European Union uh, and is a large country in terms of population and economy, uh, and then it, it will have partners uh, in Hungary and, and uh, definitely and Poland most likely. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the Hungarian prime minister already, he was one of the first ones to con congratulate, actively support and all that. So uh, this is something that will change. And mm -hmm. uh, this is a, a boring prospect because uh, I don't see the, the current uh, EU administration being successful in uh, dealing with uh, a coalition which has one of the um, mm -hmm. one of the kind of founding members of, of the EU and such a large state uh, on its side, so mm -hmm. yeah, um, to I be concerned about. Mm -hmm. I want to follow on that. Is it more dangerous for the European Union to have Italy leave the organization, or for Italy and uh, well, the, the um, Fratelli d'Italia, um, the is it Liberal Front in in France? Mm -hmm. Liberal, yes. Yeah. Um, and all these, you know, small but effective right-wing parties, far right-wing parties, come together and um, sort of have this role of internal opposition. Which which one's worse for the European Union? 
I think probably, um, not probably, most definitely uh, would be Italy leaving the European Union. All mm-hmm. I, I don't see this happening um, because that, that would undermine uh, the, the whole legitimacy of, of the project. You know, you, you can deal with uh, uh, European Union was a bit more successful with dealing uh, with far-right uh, parties uh, in the 2000s. Once they became more numerous, obviously they struggled. So if you think about Austria and all that in, in, in 2000s, um, but uh, yeah, so 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 that would be my answer. Um, we are not entirely sure how stable this government will be, mm-hmm. and if I were to make a prediction, um, kind of as political scientists, some of us make predictions. Uh, <laughs> others are, are not too keen to to do that. Um, uh, I would say that it won't be of a long duration. So mm-hmm. um, I assume that someone also in Brussels is kind of counting on, on that, you know. So yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It, it is going to fall, I mm-hmm. think. There are tensions between Lega and Fratelli d'Italia, so um, there's probably going to be some some altercation in there. So hopefully it will fall, in my opinion, <laughs> but we'll see, yeah. yeah so, so, Salvini and Meloni had, uh, they fell out, you know, mm-hmm. at, at some point relatively recently, but then mm-hmm. they came together because they saw that it was in a joint interest. I mean, you, you see also uh, Enzi, you know, coming closer now, you know, trying yeah. probably to, to sell himself as either some sort of kingmaker or something. <laughs> but uh, he, he would probably try to, but I'm not sure he will be. Yeah, but uh, anyhow, so the, but the coalition is full of big egos. Mm. and uh, people who normally don't get along. So um, I think, yeah. Uh, and if, if you put into the mix the, the kind of Western eco- economic situation, the winter, uh, energy issues, etc., etc., I, I think mm. um, um, the likelihood is, but uh, we don't know, you know, that, that there could be a massive change mm-hmm. in the whole continent and, and <laughs> uh, we, we may be proven wrong, you know, and, and mm-hmm. uh, there is a change, there is a chance uh, more parties of, of that sort of uh, provenance uh, be, uh, come to power. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just to finish off, do you think, or, or what do you think the future looks like? Is there a lot more uh, fascism, far-right movements um, going to be active in Italy, or is that the sort of moderatism or left-wing going to, to rise again and, and take the power? Mm, I don't see that happening. I do not see that happening. Honestly, I think that we're going, in, we're headed to a very, very bad direction. Uh, mostly because uh, now um, the the mask came off basically so mm, people before used to be a wee bit shy you know about being a fascist they would try and hide it but now it's completely overt um, I do not see the Democratic Party um, under like trying to understand what went wrong at all um, for instance Letta is blaming Renzi everybody is blaming each other but they're not understanding that they completely lost the plot mm-hmm. um, I think that there so these elections have been remarkable because there's been a lot of extensionism so a lot of people did not vote which is also a clear uh, message that people do not believe in our institutions anymore I don't think that there is a lot of time 
to uh, go back on the right track because Italy has had a history of institutions that have been always perceived by the people as corrupt. Mm. So there is no faith in our whole political field, basically. And um, the only hope I have is for uh, youth movements to really work on our conscience, like class conscience, etc. Because um, in, I do not see our generation of politicians doing anything for us, completely detached from the reality of things. Absolutely. And when you, like, for instance, the um, poorest areas of city have been completely abandoned. When the Democratic Party talks about granting civil rights for people, they forget get that the civil rights are also intertwined with the uh, class struggle. So mm. you cannot tell me that you're defending the abortion law if then you go on to make cuts to our healthcare system. Mm. It's very, uh, it, it makes no sense and we are very aware of it. So um, I hope that people that are the newer generation in their 20s and their 30s are going to I don't know, snap out of it and try to make something. But I am very, uh, yeah, I am very cynical. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's true. I hear the same things that my parents heard when they immigrated to Italy in the 80s. I mm -hmm. see the same faces. Nothing is changing. And um, compared to even other countries, it's very depressing seeing that like our economic situations is going really, really bad. Uh, our educational system has become business oriented. Uh, instead of being more focused on giving us time to educate ourselves, to become uh, fully aware of our circumstances as citizens, as like people that are part of this world. So, yeah, not too positive, <laughs> no. Uh, thank you, Vidal and Dr. Stepanovic, for coming on and sort of explaining this whole situation to us. Thank you for the invitation, and we are looking forward to discussing that with uh, you students and uh, the ho whole university community as well uh, when, when time is uh, opportune yeah yeah okay thank you thank you we appreciate dr propelli's dr stepanovic and vidad's availability to come in to talk to us about this week's events with that, we reach the end of the first episode of The World Briefly. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. If you have any questions or comments, do email us at radio at dusamedia.com and we'll be back again next week on Friday at 7pm to brief you about the world. Have a great week. The world briefly by Jam.